so many people who have the Lord is blessed with talent and they choose to use it to honor and glorify him thank you so much for leading us into worship today all three of you um, great job God is good turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 16 just a moment and while you're doing that I want to tell you a story real quickly a few years ago I was uh, traveling through Birmingham and in a big city like Birmingham, there are billboards just stretched out all along the highway, thousands of them. And, uh, and really, one of them really caught my attention. Well, two of them really caught my attention, but one of them I really want to talk to you about today. One of them was um, of Alexander Shinora. You, you've seen some of those, I'm sure. But it was Alexander Shinora, Call Me Alabama, you know, up there on the billboard and had his number and everything. The only problem was it was upside down, and at the bottom it simply said accidents happen. So I thought that was pretty good. I like that one. But there was another one that I really want to talk to you about today that, uh, that, that has still got me thinking, and I hope and pray that um, it does the same for you. And it was a very simple message, very simple billboard, nothing fancy, just a white background with big black letters, and, and it said, Jesus is blank with a question mark. I like that. And that got me to thinking, as I'm sure it got the millions of people who pass it every day thinking, who is Jesus to me? Very simple question, very powerful truth, very important question that needs to be answered the right way. It affects everything. How many of you understand that if we get this wrong, if I get this question wrong, then it certainly affects my eternity. If I get that question wrong, I am in danger of spending an eternity separated from the God who loves me. I'm in danger of missing heaven and gaining hell if I get that one question wrong. And a lot of times what I think we do, we, we preach and we teach the message of faith like fire insurance. Well, you know, hey, you need to get saved so you won't go to hell. Well, that's true, and listen, by all means, I want to miss hell and gain heaven, but I want you to understand this question not only has to do with your eternity in the future, this question has to do with right here and right now. Look, that, that question, getting it right or wrong, not only affects what will happen, but it certainly affects what is happening. I mean, if I get that wrong in my everyday life, then I cannot and will not be the husband God wants me to be or, or the husband my wife needs me to be if I get this question wrong. If I get this question wrong, if you get this question wrong, then we cannot be the parents to our children that God wants us to be and our children need us to be. If I get this question wrong, it affects everything in my life. Listen, it changes how I think, therefore how I act. It changes the decisions and the choices that I make day by day. It changes everything. This question is paramount, not just for what will happen in eternity. That's certainly true. But it, it, listen, it has to do with right here and right now. Who is Jesus to you, to us? Now, I have to tell you, the first time that question was answered was not on a billboard in Birmingham, but Jesus actually asked that question to his disciples 
in Matthew chapter number 16. Everybody look there with me. And we're going to look there starting in verse number 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. So he starts looking outward. He starts with the external. And he says, I want to know what everybody else has said about me. And really what was happening in this moment, his disciples were going out into the cities and the surrounding villages and preaching the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus had taught them to preach, had called them to preach, had told them to go out and share. And so they're out doing this, and he asked the question, well, while you're out there, what are people saying about me? Who do they say or who do they think I am? At the end, in the next verse, verse number 15, he moves on from the external to the internal. Not what they are saying out there, but what do you say personally? What do you say individually? Watch what he says. He says unto them, but whom say ye that I am? This is the question. Who is Jesus to you? Now, one thing that I want you to do this morning, I want you to be honest with yourself before the Lord. Because I'm going to tell you, you can lie to everybody else, and you can even lie to yourself. Believe me, I've done it. But what we must do if we're going to gain what we need to gain from this great truth and answer this question rightly, we must be honest with ourselves before the Lord. Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus? You fill in the blank. Who is he to you? We must get this question right. And when we do, it changes everything. Let's pray about it. Father, again, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Help us this morning to share truth by your power. Holy Spirit, have your way and will we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what I want to do this morning, my purpose, is to answer this question rightly, to answer this question biblically. How many of you know that if you ever answer a question biblically, you answer it rightly? How many of you know that if you ever answer a question biblically, you answer it rightly? Because what we have with our Bibles is the absolute truth that God has given to us. And if you want to know who Jesus is, you need look no further than the truth of the Word of God. That's where you find it. Now, I want to answer it rightly. I want to answer it, therefore, biblically. But I want to answer it from the perspective of a blood-bought, born-again Christ follower. Now, that's going to do two things if we answer it that way. First of all, I hope and pray it will encourage the believer. It will encourage the cross follower. It will encourage you and me as people who know Jesus to go out and serve Jesus and be confident that Christ is with us as Savior and Lord. If you believe it, say amen. It gives us confidence that he is the Friend that sticks closer than a brother. Can somebody testify to that fact? Uh, One thing I love about Jesus and knowing him is I can talk to him, and I do talk to him about everything. You know what? I've got some great, dear friends, brothers and sisters in Christ right here this morning um, that, that, listen, I see you as blood kin. You are my brothers and my sisters. That's how I view you. 
If I've trusted in Jesus and the blood of Christ has been applied to my heart and life and, and you've trusted in Jesus and the blood of Christ has been applied to your heart and life, guess what that makes us? Blood kin. Brothers and sisters in the family of God. So i got some people here I love dearly. So thankful for you. But you know what? There's a lot of things I can't talk to you about and there's a lot of things you can't talk to me about. But I am thankful that we have a Savior. We have a friend that sticks closer than a brother that has been right where you are, walking in this flesh, going through the things that you go through. Listen to me, folks. And we can bring everything boldly to the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. That's good. And I hope and pray this morning that if we can answer who Jesus is, maybe that will give you confidence. Maybe that will encourage you to keep on keeping on. To hang on when life's trying to knock you flat. Who is Jesus? It'll encourage the Believer, the Christ follower, but maybe, just maybe, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christ follower, it'll show you what you're missing. Because really, the, the, the type of gospel preaching I like is not just hammering on everything that people do wrong. I mean, anybody who's truly honest with themselves knows they do enough wrong. And we must share truth and call sin what it is. And I'm going to keep doing that. But what I really like doing is what I like to call dog bone theology. Let, let me see if I can explain that to you just a little bit. What do I mean when I say giving dog bone theology? Let, let's just say that you've got a pit bull that weighs 90 pounds and he's nothing but just a ball of muscle and that big old wide head and and just looking sharp like those dogs do. That's my favorite. My wife won't let me have one. But if I could, I would have three or four of them. I love the look of those dogs. They're just so cool looking. But um, the, let's just say you've got that pit bull that's 90 to 100 pounds there, man. He's all beefed up, muscled up. And, and, and he's got a, uh, a bone out there that he's chewing on. Now, is anybody in here this morning, would you volunteer to be the one to go up and take that, dog, take that bone from that pit bull? Anybody? You better not. If you do, you're going to have to fight the pit bull. And I'm certainly not ready for that. I certainly don't want that. But let me tell you what you can do. You get you a T-bone steak. And you take that out and lay it down beside that dog. And guess what he'll do? He'll leave that bone. He'll go to the stake. He'll find something that pleases him more. He'll find something that is better for him and leave what he was doing. And, and that's really the message of the gospel that I believe we need to be preaching. We need to share with people Jesus is better. What he wants, how he leads, Listen, his plan and his purpose for your life is better. Let me tell you what I figured out. It is really hard to talk to somebody who is in their sin out of it. I'll go on and say this. It's really impossible for me to do that. Brother Roy done a fantastic job this morning before Sunday school talking about how God manifests himself to us. And it is a work of God, the Holy Spirit, that teaches us just how much we need a Savior. 
God does that. By his grace and by his mercy. We can certainly point people in the right direction. And I want to keep doing that. But God does the work of saving souls. So I cannot talk a man out of his sin. Believe me. How many of you know I ain't always been Brother Israel? There was a time in my life when I was the addict. There was a time in my life when I was hopeless and helpless without Jesus. When my life was ruined. There was a time in my life when I never dreamed I would be the pastor at Mount Zion Baptist Church or any other church. There was a time in my life when substances had a stronghold and a stranglehold on my life that I could not break and I tried. I tried really hard because I saw how it was ruining me, how it was ruining my relationships, how it was hurting me and I could not break free from it. I couldn't. Let me tell you why. It pleased this so sinful flesh. I enjoyed it. I wanted more of it. So much so that I'd be willing to do whatever I could to get it. If it cost me relationships, fine. In that moment, that substance was more important. But God, by His grace and mercy wherewith He loved me, drew me unto Himself, forgave me of my sins, Listen, brought me up out of the pit, out of that miry clay, set my feet upon the rock and established my goings. But God did it. Amen? So it's really hard to talk a man out of that. I mean, he likes his sin. He likes what pleases the flesh. It's hard to talk the addict out of addiction. It's hard. Listen to me now. Impossible to talk to the adulterer out of that relationship. Why? It pleases them. It pleases their flesh. It pleases them physically. It pleases them emotionally. And you're never going to talk them out of that. It's hard to talk the fornicator out of that relationship. It's hard. Impossible even. But let me tell you what you can do. You can give them that steak. They'll hold on to the bone until they realize the goodness of the steak. Can you say amen? Dog bone theology. I'm trying to tell you this morning, Jesus is better. And Jesus is able. I'm telling you, quit going your way and follow him. Repentance is about turning from one direction 180 degrees and going the other direction. I turned from going my way. Now I'm headed toward the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm doing what he wants. I'm following as he leads. Can you say amen? You've got to show him something better. So I want to show you something better this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. I want us to all answer who Jesus is. Who is he to you? Three things that I want to share with you. First of all, I want you to know that for the blood-bought, born-again believer, Jesus is Savior. Can you say amen? 
He is Savior. Oh, praise God for that fact. I'm so thankful this morning that He's done everything necessary for me to be saved, for you to be saved, for the world to be saved. Let me give you some good verses. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. Watch what the Scripture tells us. Luke 19, brothers, verse number 10. Watch this. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was, everybody say it, come to seek and to save those that are lost. And, and listen to me, folks. That's not just you. That's not just me. That's everybody. Everybody stands in need of a Savior regardless of who you are. Let me give you another great verse. Jesus came to seek and to save each and every one. Luke chapter number 5, verse number 31. I love this verse. Luke 5, verse number 31. Watch what it tells us. Jesus himself here makes... Um, the, the declaration to those then and to those now. And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Go to the next verse. Watch this. And I came not to call the righteous, but watch this, but sinners to repentance. How many times have you ever heard somebody say, Brother Israel, I ain't having nothing to do with that church. I ain't coming down to that church. I had a man tell me one time I was inviting him to come and have service with us, so be a part of what God is doing. He said, if I come down to that church, the roof will probably cave in. Now really what he was saying was, I'm not good enough to come down to that church. Listen, I've done too many bad things to come down to that church. And listen, that stuff that you're preaching, it may be good for everybody else, but it's not good for me. I've went too far. I've done too many bad things. Let me say something to you. Jesus came to save sinners. Listen to me, Mount Zion. You need to understand this. We've got to get a hold of this. Jesus came to save sinners. And if we're going to be about the business of being ambassadors for Christ in a lost and dying world. Listen, fulfilling our ministry of reconciliation to those who are separated from God, we must understand it is up to us to do what we can to preach the gospel, show the truth, and love sinners. E.B. Hill said something years ago that I still, uh, I love it today. He said it back in the late 70s. He said, that if we're really going to be what God wants us to be as the church, then guess what will happen? We'll start smelling liquor on the pew. Somehow we've got to the place that we think just because we've been forgiven that now we can sit up on our spiritual high horse and look down our nose at somebody else. Look, God forbid! Do we not understand that except by the grace of God, there go I. Now I get it. God loves you right where He found you. Right where He finds you. Right where you are. Now the truth is though, God loves you too much to leave you where He finds you. And when a person, man, woman, boy, or girl is truly born again in the family of God and God the Holy Spirit starts that work of sanctification in their life, Old things become new. Can you say amen? I get all that. I'm just saying we got to realize people are sinners. And Jesus came to save sinners. <laughs> and a lot of times what we want to do is take their temperature and see how sick they really are. Right? 
And, and we'll gauge whether or not we let them into our clique or into our group by how sick they are. We'll put up with certain stuff that maybe we've experienced or is close to us, but other things we shun and say, I don't know about all that. And really what we're doing is taking their temperature. We're just saying one's sicker than the other. Listen, Jesus said they all sick. We all sick. The good news is he's the great physician. This is the message. This is the gospel. This is the truth. We all sick, but good news. The doctor is in. Can you save me? And he's still able. He's still able. Jesus is Savior. Let me give you the next one. Now, if Jesus is Savior, then he's going to be Lord. The next one is Jesus is sovereign. When I say sovereign, I mean he has complete control and authority in the past, in the present, and in the future. Do you remember in Matthew chapter number 2, brothers, I believe it's about verse number 2. Matthew chapter 2, there's a story of, I preached on it during the Christmas season, of the wise men coming to see baby Jesus. Do you all remember that? Do you remember what they said when they got to Jerusalem and spoke with King Herod? Matthew chapter 2, verse number 2, watch what it tells us. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. At his birth, he was hailed king of kings and lord of lords. If you believe it, say amen. Not only did they say he was king of the Jews, they brought a gift that proved he was king of the Jews because they brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Y'all remember that? So at his birth he was held king of the Jews. Let me give you another one. Not only at his birth was he held king of the Jews, but at his crucifixion, at his death, he was held king of the Jews. Look in John chapter number 19. Brothers, I believe it's verse number 21. Let me check and make sure. John chapter 19 and verse number 22, excuse me, John 19, 22, watch what the scripture tells us. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. I was right though, go back to verse 21 because I want you to get the context. Then said the chief priests, the Jews to Pilate, write not that he is the king of the Jews, but that he said I am the king of the Jews. Now I like this. Really what the Jews are saying, the ones who yelled out from the crowd, crucify him the ones who brought him to the Roman authorities to be crucified because they themselves in their religious pious attitudes wouldn't do it thought they couldn't do it because it would make them unholy for the Sabbath day think about that just a minute they were willing to put the Son of God and God the Son on a cross going by way of the Roman government because they knew it would break their religious tradition if they did it. Do you see that? Do you see how warped dead religion makes you? It's amazing. Oh, we don't want to break the law, but we're going to crucify God in the flesh. It's amazing. And so they say to him, Look, don't write he is the king of the Jews because Pilate put up above the cross the king of the Jews. No, no, don't write that. Just put he said he was the king of the Jews. Look what Pilate says, verse 22. We've already read it. What I have written, I have written. You may tell what I believe. I believe Pilate understood exactly who he was. He had already spoken to him twice. 
Pilate rejected him, but I believe he knew. He willingly rejected Jesus as Savior and Lord, but he knew. I believe there's people every day who know, but who willingly reject Jesus as Savior and Lord. But he was held king of kings at his birth. He was held king of kings at his death. How many of you know he's held as king of kings right now today? Colossians 1.16, watch what it tells us. Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 16, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. For by him were created, all things were created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That means he is still sovereign. He is still in control. He is still have authority over all things. Verse 18, watch this. And the Bible keeps going. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I was just standing outside this morning, welcoming people as they were coming in. Um, little Violet was out there with me and she was just chirping along like a little songbird just talking with having a good time and she said that thing on top of the church looks good talking about the steeple and I said it does look good she said who put that up there I said well the men who built the church she said Jesus put it up there and I was like praise God you're right Jesus did build the church yeah you got it she's got a lot more than, than, than adults have in a lot of, lot of times in a lot of places Sure, Jesus builds the church. He is the head of the church. He has preeminence in the church. He has the chief place, the first place. There's no one beside him or above him. Can you say amen? Praise God. He's king of kings right now. How many of you understand? He'll always be king of kings and lord of lords. He'll always be the sovereign. Now, I don't know about you, but that excites me. Let me tell you why. He is my king. And I am in his kingdom. <laughs> D.O. Moody was once in uh, Great Britain, in London. And while he was there, they were having a parade of the royals. Y'all see that from time to time on your television screen. It was pretty much wall-to-wall -wall coverage when one of the princes got married a year or so back. Why people are so excited about that, I'll never know. But they are. That's okay. But D.L. Moody was um, in, in England, in London there. And everybody was so excited about the parade of royals, the king queen at that time that would be passing through so that they could just put their eyes on it. And they, they was doing all these things to get ready for it. And people were just losing their minds over this event. And, and D.L. Moody, he thought to himself, well, there must be something wrong with me. I, this is just not that big a deal to me. I kind of understand what he's talking about. I, I don't really understand why it was such a big deal with the wedding a few years back. But that's what he said. I, just don't, I don't understand it. He said, and then I thought to myself, this don't excite me because this is not my king. Let me tell you why 
it fires me up that Jesus was King of Kings, is King of Kings, and will always be King of Kings because He's my King. I am in His kingdom. And if He's always going to be King of Kings, He's always going to have the preeminence. He's always going to be sovereign. And I am in His kingdom. I am in His family. I have been blood-bought and born again. Then that means I too will reign with Him. He's my King. He's my King. He'll always be King of Kings. Watch what the Scripture says. Revelation chapter 19 starting in verse number 11. Revelation 19 Verse number 11. I'm going to ask you to do something this morning in honor of the king. We don't usually do it. We're going to do it today. I want everybody to stand up for the reading of the word of God. Everybody stand on your feet. Let's give honor to King Jesus and to the truth of God's word. Revelation chapter 19, verse number 11. And I saw a heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Can you say amen, child of God? Isn't he faithful and true? And in righteousness he doeth judge and make war. Verse 12, watch it. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Verse 13. And he was clothed with vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. His name is called the Word of God. The Word was made flesh. Praise the Lord. And he dwelt among us. That's what John said in John 1, 1 through 3. Then he writes in Revelation 19, 13 that his name is the Word of God. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He is the Word. Let's go on. Verse 14. I wish I could spend more time on that. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Somebody say amen to that. I've never had a horse. I've kind of rode a horse twice. I think the horse more like rode me. <laughs> but one day, I will come with King Jesus on a white horse with the armies of heaven. Praise the Lord. I don't even know what all that means. But I cannot wait to be a part of it. How about you? He's my king. Watch what else. He's clothed in fine linen, and it's white and it's clean. Verse number 15. Watch this verse. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Verse 16 tells us, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He was king of kings. He is king of kings. He will always be king of kings. Praise the Lord for King Jesus. Can you say amen? You may be seated unless you want to stand. I'm about done. Y'all can stand. <laughs> Y'all didn't believe that, did you? He is sovereign. He is Savior. He is King of Kings. Let me ask you. Is he your king? Is he Lord, your Lord? The Bible says in John chapter number 14 and verse number 13. Excuse me, verse number 15, I believe. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Really what Jesus is saying is, if you truly love me, if I'm truly Lord of your life, if I'm truly master, if I'm truly your king, and you really love me, the way you show it is by doing what I tell you to do. What's he told us to do? He's told us a lot of stuff. Let me just give you a few because I want to get practical. 
Sometimes I think we run the risk of being theologically correct and practically no good if we don't apply this to our life. So let's get practical. What did Jesus tell us to do? Well, he told us that we should do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And if we love them, we love him, then we should do what he says. If he's Lord, we should do what he says. He also said, now don't, don't miss that though. He said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That means how you want to be treated, treat somebody else. If you want respect, give respect. If you want honor, give honor. If you want to be loved and cared for, love and care for others. If you want people to talk sweet to you, talk sweet to them. And I'm just going to throw that out there because some of the most ill-mannered, mean people that I've ever been around in my life sit on a church pew every Sunday. My Lord. Quit being so ill. But get happy. Get happy in Jesus. No sense in that. And a lot of times it's not what you say, but how you say it. Quit saying it like that. Now I know what you're thinking. You quit saying it like that. Do you get my point? It matters not only what you say, but how you say things. Amen? Even when you're speaking truth. So, Jesus told us to do a lot of things. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Not before they do it to you. Sometimes we misinterpret that. Well, I'm going to get them before they get me. No. Jesus commands that we should, listen to me now, love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And you can take all the law and boil it down to those two commandments. Love God, but then show love to people. Amen? Now, if we love the Lord, if we love him, let's do what he says do. Let's do what he says do. Makes all the difference, doesn't it? How much would change today if we all just applied those two things to our life? If, if we just really applied that truth, I'm not talking about in the church, I'm talking about worldwide. How would society change if we just applied that truth? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. If we just did that, well, that'd fix a lot of stuff, wouldn't it? That would empty prisons. That would heal broken homes. That would cure addiction. If we just applied that truth. Let him be Lord. Let him be King. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Sovereign. Let me give you the last one. Jesus is Shepherd. He's the Good Shepherd, he says. John chapter number 10. Let's start with verse number 7. John chapter 10. The 7th verse. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. I love this verse. Let me tell you what this is talking about. Over in the Middle East, 
there have been shepherds since really the dawn of time, since the beginning of time, since, since mankind has walked upon the earth. There's been shepherds, and and what they, they lived as nomadic people, and so they they would use these corrals that sometimes had been there for hundreds or even thousands of years. The same corrals that were used in the time of Jesus across the landscape of the Middle East are still being used by shepherds today. And re really, what it is is just a formation of rocks that are put into a circle with an open space called the door. Now. What Jesus is saying here is extremely powerful, but you need to know the history and the context a little bit to see how powerful it is. And, and so he tells these people, they would have known full well because they lived in that culture. We, not so much. That's why I'm telling you about it. That they, he's, what he's telling these people is, I am the door of the sheep. What that shepherd would do at night, he would take all these sheep that are so valuable to him and his livelihood, and he would put them in the corral. And guess what the good shepherd would do? The good shepherd would then lay down across that open space where those rocks were in that formation. So that anything that came into that sheepfold had to pass over the shepherd. And anything that came out of that sheepfold had to pass over the shepherd. It was a way of protecting, caring for, and loving the sheep. Somebody say amen. Jesus said, I am the door. If you want to get into <clears throat> my sheepfold, what you must do is go through me. And when you're there, anybody that wants to get to you has to go through me. When you're there, anybody that wants to get to you, to harm you, to hinder you, to hurt you, they got to go through me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He is the good shepherd. Verse 10. The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Verse 11. Let's go on. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The best commentary on the word of God is always the word of God. Let me give you some great commentary on John 10. The best commentary I know on John 10 is Psalm 23. Brothers, put that on the screen for me and I'm done. Psalm 23, I'm just going to read this to you and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. The Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. Verse, verse 2, watch. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me <laughs> beside the still waters. Verse 3. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil if thou art with me. Thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, watch. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. What he's saying is, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you exactly what you need even when your enemies are surrounding you. He does that for me. Thou anointest my head with oil. Now, I, again, I wish I had more time to go into this, but do you know what it means that the shepherd would anoint the head of the sheep? The sheep, as their wool would grow, would just get nasty. And it would get parasites and dirt and bugs and everything else nasty you can think of wound up in that hair. 
and it would cause them great trouble, to, even, even to the point that they couldn't breathe because of it. And so what the shepherd would do would take oil and anoint that sheep's head. And that oil would do for that sheep's head just exactly what needed to be done. It would clean it. It would purify it. It would kill the things that were in that sheep's wool at the time. This is how Jesus loves us. When things are a part of our life that make us sick, sin sick, when our lives get nasty and dirty and filthy, he's the one who anoints us with that anointing oil that will clean us up. I love it. Thou anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Verse 6. Watch this now. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you see all the me's and my's and I's? what that means he wants a personal relationship with every individual he's my Jesus he's forgiven my sin he's my friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is not hiding from you. He's done everything necessary to be your Savior, to be your Sovereign, to be your Shepherd. Now, child of God, those of you that are blood-bought, born again, ain't you thankful? Let me ask you something now. I heard someone say years ago that if Jesus is not Lord of all, then is he Lord, of, Lord at all? Did you get it? Did you understand it? If Jesus is not Lord of all, is he Lord at all? And I think all of us are guilty of this, at least I know I am. So let me preach to myself for a minute. Anybody else in here have a junk room in their house? Thank you, buddy. I'm sure mom and dad are appreciate that. <laughs> Guess what, though, big guy? I do, too. Truth is, probably all of us do. We all do. Now, if you come into my house as a guest... I'm not going to let you in that junk room. That is not going to shed good light on us at all. Because the truth is, some of that stuff that's in there, I ain't seen in a long time. And we pretty much just shut that baby off and cover it up. Nobody, nobody goes in the, in the, I don't even like going in the junk room. I'm not going to let you in the junk room. So we can, we can, you know, have the rest of the house, outside, wherever. But I'm going to keep that from you. Now, sometimes what we do as children of God, even though we've been saved, is keep that junk room in our life. And we say, okay, Lord, 
I'm going to give you all this other stuff. You can have rule and reign and everything else. But this one area of my life, I really don't want you messing with. I don't want to talk to you about it. I sure don't want to let you in it. And the truth is, that junk room that sometimes all of us keep, many times is pleasing to that sinful flesh. Can you say amen? But let me tell you this, what I know to be true. Jesus never takes anything from you that he don't give something better back to you. Do not trade that which you think is good that probably ain't if it's in the junk room. Don't trade what you think is good for that which is best. Just give it all and say, Lord, here it is. Erica sang about it just a minute ago. How, how did that go? In, in, the, in the darkest corner of my guilt, in the darkest corner of my shame, is that what you said? In the darkest corner of my shame, I can still bring that and say, Lord, here it is. Because whether we know it or not, you ain't hiding nothing from the Lord. I can hide my junk room from you. But none of us can hide it from Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? He knows. Bring it to him and say, Lord, here it is. You're Lord. And if that's not what you want, here it is. Here it is. I'm tired of dealing with it. I'm tired of walking past it. I'm tired of hiding it. Here it is. Savior. Sovereign and shepherd. If you need the Lord in any way, you come this morning. Brother, where you at? He's going to play for us a song of invitation. That's exactly what this time is going to be for you. You are invited to do what needs doing in your business with the Lord. I had a pastor years ago when I was growing up. And that's what he'd always say during the time of invitation. And it was that's so true. He said, you, if you need to do business with Jesus, come do it. That's good stuff. Really what he's saying is, won't you come get serious with the Lord? Get your business handled. Get it taken care of. And if you need to do that, won't you come? Hey, listen, if you need to be saved, won't you come? I can promise you what Jesus has for your life. It's much better than what you have planned for your life. And I can promise you, He can do much more with your life than you can. I shudder to think where I would be if I didn't get a hold of that truth. If I'd have kept going the way I was going, where would I be right now? Thank you, Lord. Man, he's so good. He can do much more with your life than you can. Give it to him. Quit playing games, man. 
Do business. Get serious. Whatever you need. Won't you come?